Hello, everybody. How you doing? Hope all is well. This is Perry Rizopoulos. Welcome back to another episode of Shot of Philosophy. I'm drinking cold brew today, and I have been for a while, and I feel guilty about it because the title of the podcast involves espresso, but I'm sharing this with you now. Um, cold brew is the move for me when it starts getting into spring and summer, and it's going to be here to stay for a while. So I'm enjoying this cold brew, and I wanted to return today to Alain de Bouton's self-knowledge. Again, still reading midterms. I'll be reading midterms forever. Um, enjoying it though. I'm really, I'm finding that students have really taken the task seriously, or the tasks. This one especially though. And I wanted to offer this on the podcast because I think this is a great section of that book, self knowledge, that I really do recommend you go out and buy, or order it from Amazon more likely. And this is a section that speaks to something I often think about. What I notice with myself is if I'm having a negative emotion, I get mad about having it. So if I'm angry, I get angry about being angry. If I'm sad or upset, I get angry at being sad or upset. Instead of sort of calmly and slowly addressing it, um, I just kind of want to get rid of it. And anger tends to get rid of stuff because it's like kind of powerful and forceful, right? And I want to get better at that. So this is a book that I've read a few times. Again, it's one that I encountered for the first time like two years ago. And I love keeping it around because it reminds me of certain things, especially practices that are helpful. So this is a practice. It's called emotional unpacking. And basically what the book offers is the following. Talk to yourself, talk yourself through an emotional challenge or a set of doubts. And of course, this also works really well with self-writing. Sit down with a pen and paper. This is great for that. Describe the feeling in more detail. What do you feel it points to? Imagine trying to piece it together for a very considerate friend. And this is a suggestion that you're going to get throughout the school of life's work that I think is great. It's something you hear in ancient philosophy a lot. You have to be your own friend and a, a good friend, right? So a friend that will scrutinize you, that will give you constructive criticism, but ultimately a friend that wants the best for you. We don't talk to ourselves or write to ourselves in our self-writing like we're our friends a lot of the time. And I think that's such a common human thing. I do it to myself frequently too. We're either too hard on ourselves or we're too like sort of, let's say naive or like too encouraging. We don't challenge ourselves. So again, we'll all be in different, let's say in different locations on that spectrum around various issues. But I think it makes sense to even for a moment characterize ourselves. Like are we generally friendly with ourselves or are we generally too harsh on ourselves? Are we generally overly accepting, let's say, or, or lenient with ourselves? Or could we use a little more of a friend that like would call us out in a kind way? So figure that out. And I think that's something that you know needs constant figuring out and that'll shift based on external influences that'll shift on or based on how we grow as individuals. That being said, I think this idea of the compassionate and let's say, but slightly opinionated friend who wants the best for you who loves you, that's how we sort of want to learn to talk with and write about ourselves to ourselves, right? So when we do this emotional unpacking, we're kind of fighting the following. And I, like, I love how, how he describes this, right? There are heavy incentives for us not to feel or notice our pains. Eventually, the unacknowledged distress may sink into our entire characters and create a sense of depression. During our introspective sessions, we can throw off our customary and dangerous bravery and let our sadness take its natural due shape. 
There may not be an immediate solution to many of our sorrows, but it helps immeasurably to know their contours or their shape. We should, in introspecting, be maximally indulgent with ourselves as a corrective to our normal tendency to be a bit brutal and to insist that we're getting worked up about nothing, when all along our pain requires hearing. And requiring hearing, I think, is great because that makes me think of a conversation with a friend. And that makes me think of how and why when you write and you take a second to read what you wrote or you're reading it even as you're writing it, it's a, it's a sense of dialogue that is reminiscent of this idea of a conversation and hearing one's own thoughts, seeing them a little bit more clearly. To say to know the contours, right, that's to mean to understand the details of these sorrows a little bit more. And for me, when I read this paragraph, it really resonates with me because I have the tendency, as I said a moment ago, to kind of be dismissive of my sadness or dismissive of, let's say, the importance of grieving the loss of certain things or even the loss of certain people, right? I find that, uh, you know, when I reflect on my life and I think about people I've lost who have been very close to me, I kind of just, you know, force myself to just power through, go back to work, not take a day off of work. And it's sort of like, you know, I don't know, maybe, and I think also before I even get into what that might've caused, right? I think the, 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 the uh, reason for that was like, you, you, as he's saying here, like you think that that's the brave thing, right? That's the courageous thing. That's the tough thing. That's the virtuous thing. Well, I mean, really? Is it? Again, this is a real question for me. I don't know. A part of me still clings to that image of myself, an image of what it means to be a courageous, brave person. And a lot of this connects also, I think, to some workaholism that I have or this conception that, you know, I am in large part, like who I am as a person is in large part connected to what I do for a living with work, which I think is at the very least something I have to control a little bit more, right? I think I, I love the idea of having a vocational approach to our work life. Like it's it's more than just a job. I think that's a beautiful idea. But even that has to be kept within bounds, I think. <clears throat> so anyway, this really resonates with me and I hope it connects with you in some way. And again, the practice of this is taking time to not ignore the sadness, not have this, let's say, just for argument's sake, this false sense of bravery that, oh, I don't have to grieve. I don't have to feel sad. Being sad, you know, it's like characterizing it as something that isn't necessary. I mean, sadness is a necessary and natural part of being a person. So we have to learn how to accept it. We have to learn how to say, you know what? I'm feeling sad today. All right. Let me sit with it for a minute. And maybe even sometimes not sitting with it for a minute, but acknowledging it. And maybe, if, you know, if we spend too much time thinking about why too, we ends up, you know, it ends up being worse. So I know I'm giving a couple different suggestions here, but ultimately I think the way we relate to sadness, for me at least, is sort of a big moment to realize, okay, I have to have a relationship to this. I can't just ignore it. I can't just dismiss it. And there's nothing wrong with it, right, as a general idea. And by that I mean it's a part of life. Some sadnesses, of course, are more justified than others, and that's also what learning the contours might be about, right? We could ask ourselves that question. Is this truthful? Is this just, right? Am I, do I have a right to be sad right now? And then even that question, I don't love how I even said that, right? It's like, do I have a right to be sad? Well, sometimes you're just sad, bro. And that's kind of what I, I, I want to offer that to myself, right, as I'm, as I'm working on this in a very literal sense, as I'm thinking, I'm speaking, and as I'm speaking, I'm in dialogue with myself here a little bit. Um, so let's get into this reading because I'm all over the place. Today, this is a topic I actually grapple with myself and I don't do well at this, right? Because again, my inclination is to ignore it, to dismiss it, turn to anger, to power through, and then figure it out and just keep living. 
So I want to make more room for this. And even just talking about it in a sense, I think is making room for it in a way that could be helpful. So I apologize if this is just me ranting at this point. Let me get to the reading. So how do we interpret being upset? This is an exercise, once again, from self-knowledge, right? As quickly as you can, and without bother how petty, unreasonable, or pretentious it might sound, write a list of your current upsets. The more, the better. How have others hurt you? What are you sad about? What are you nostalgic about? Or what are you wounded about? Allow yourself in the present safety of this exercise. And again, that could be just looking out the window with some music on and thinking, or it could be with a pen and a a notebook, right? To be, for instance, furious about the way your partner brushes their teeth. The agents of global politics. Your boss saying, yeah, right, in a slightly sarcastic manner. Or your mother commenting on your taste in shoes. These are just starting points and are all valid. So for me, I love the idea that we can have this, let's say, benevolent or kind assumption that these things are valid. And that's a starting point for the exercise. Because I think for me, when I I read that word valid, and I'm returning to this text after a few months of not looking at it, to validate our sadness and start there instead of dismissing it to validate our sadness, and again, as a starting point, to then examine if in fact they are valid, but not starting off with this idea that I don't have a right to be sad, or that being sad is wrong. Those aren't good starting points, according to this suggestion. And I liked how this feels, right? Because again, if your friend came up to you and they're like, hey, I'm really sad, I don't think the first word out of your mouth should be, get over it. Or I don't think the first word out of your mouth should be, come on, really? It might be like, well, what's wrong? Like, again, these questions I think are really great. It'd be like, what's bothering you? And then you, again, I think would, even before, if you were going to dismiss the sadness, a sadness, a a sadness from a friend, you'd at least inquire into it first, right? Like you'd say, again, get to the root of it. Like, well, why does the brushing of the teeth bother you like that? Like, why does it make you upset? You wouldn't just say that's ridiculous after you heard it. So it's about, I think, also just being, and we had this great episode or for me, it was great. It helped me a lot with Pema Chodron. I love what she said um, about the importance of patience and how to cultivate patience in daily life. And I love how it connects to this too. Like patience is the answer to this. Patience and Socratic questioning. And then making the time and then taking some action, right? Which is to say, making the, the silence that you need, getting the notebook out, putting on the music, sitting down in some, in some you know, uh, isolations. So you could actually think. And then hopefully maybe listen to the podcast helps, having some reading helps, right? Let's get back to the reading on that note. They suggest then, now ask yourself, if this had happened to a friend, how would you advise them? Which is what I just kind of walked through organically, right? What might you say? Again, we're not attempting to resolve these issues as yet. The primary crucial issue is to be clear about what is actually distressing us. We're allowing troubles to acknowledge themselves. So that's great, I think. Because I often find with myself that it'll be... There is something larger behind the actual thing itself that is upsetting me. And we want to get to those points and we want to understand them. And we have to, you know, really, I think, apply these types of exercises, the questions they provided that I offered and take them seriously. And the goal, again, I think with this is to have more of, let's say, a patient approach, a more friendly approach to our sadness and validate it. Starting from a point of validation instead of a point of 
being dismissive or being angry at being angry or being angry at being sad. And instead allowing these things again to be heard, to be seen. And I also love how they point to things that are seemingly simple or seemingly not a big deal and saying, no, make time for that. And I also love how they said sort of, you know, like don't bottle things up because that's, you know, the bottling is how things accumulate and that accumulation can eventually become a larger problem. So for me, this also is reminiscent a little bit of venting in a healthy sense, right? Because I do think venting can be healthy. And I think venting, I define this in my own way a little bit here, right? The difference between venting and complaining is that I think venting is getting things off your chest so that you can kind of use that energy, get rid of the energy, right? Or use that time to get rid of the energy. Complaining is kind of like sitting in the energy, right? Without really getting rid of it. And I also feel like complaining seeks commiseration, right? I love, you know, that word is interesting, commiserate, right? When you complain, you almost want to grow the sadness. You want other people to kind of agree with you or to appease you. Whereas when you're venting, it's like, it almost doesn't matter if the person even says anything. It's like, I just want to get this off my chest. That's a great thing for self-writing too. Just to vent, have like vent sessions in a notebook, because there's even some stuff you might not want to say out loud to anybody, right? Just get rid of it. That's what venting is. I think sometimes it's very helpful. I also think for me, after venting, I feel like I'm more action oriented, right? Because you get it off your chest, all right, let me move on now. But complaining to me is like, you kind of just, again, you sit in there, you kind of sit in that space for too long. So this to me, especially because it's like, you know what, carve out a time, carve out a place where you're going to confront these questions and you're going to give yourself the validation. You're going to give yourself, give yourself the patience as a friend would. That's kind of for me, and I, I don't like the use of this word, but I'm using it in a spiritual sense. Oh, I was going to say productive, but we don't have to use that word anymore. This is fruitful from yesterday's uh, or two days ago's episode, right? This is fruitful to carve out time, to make it a practice, to get rid of some things and to examine some things as you would with a friend with yourself. So I hope this is helpful. Once again, get the book. It's a great book. Self-Knowledge by Alain de Bouton, Interpreting Upset. Hope this is helpful. Maybe adopt this or give this a try the next time you're feeling upset. Or maybe today, take 10 minutes, take 15 minutes and work through some ideas similar to those that they offered. Hope this is helpful. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you soon.